2015 is a year of, can everyone say prayer? prayer? It's prayer and the presence of God. This is just a good topic, you know, and we really feel prophetically this is what, where the Lord is leading us, that it's not that we haven't prayed before or we're going to pray just a little bit harder, but I believe that the Lord is going to open up things through prayer. Um, healing and all kinds of things. And the presence of God is because the prayer isn't just us rambling a bunch of things. It's uh, being with him and in having an encounter with him. Um, the first series that I'm going to be focusing on is called Victory Road. Um, I, I could say successfully navigating the paths of life. Um, many times um, I talk to people and they're not sure how to win and I usually try to start the, the beginning of the year looking at different aspects of getting on the road to winning. Um, the Lord wants us to win in our personal life. He wants us to have victory through trials, through trials. Um, he wants us to have an, an open heart um, that's increasing and increasing in its openness, not shattered by the bitterness and hurt and pain that comes along the way. And um, I'm no different. I have th- those same struggles uh, but um, the Lord's ways are always right, and they're faithful. So uh, feel free to uh, invite people there. And then uh, the third one um, is today. I'm going to really start this year off by talking about in his presence. And I put there joy. I was talking to Jody yesterday. I told her, I said, well, you know, she goes, how's the message coming along? You know, because we had Christmas and all that, and you know, we've had uh, some some uh, people in the hospital and stuff, so I'm kind of busy with things. And I told her, I said, well, this Sunday I'll be preaching to myself. <laughs> and and uh, that's exactly how I feel. Not, not that I, I mean, I've already preached this message to myself from the Bible. How many preach to themselves out of the scriptures? You know, you read stuff and you go through it and God just uh, makes certain things come to life. Well, that's where we're going to be today. So I want to talk about God's presence and how important it is and how much he will change us. He will change us on the inside out. And sometimes we can be resistant to God if we have a a thought that starts to misalign with his character or we interpret a circumstance in a way that God would not have us interpret that way and it makes us feel um, a, re- a rejection from God. Something happens and you look at it as God's rejecting you or God's against you. And then you start to avoid the Lord because of it. Um, or you see a futility in your time with God. You forget about the intimacy and the relationship and you just start to think of it as nothing but blessing. You know, if, I, if I'm there, and I'm going to get blessing, but I'm not really getting any blessing, so you don't see the benefit. It seems futile to spend time with God or you, you don't think he's answering. Um, because you're not seeing the results. It's not like a switch. You, you're with God and God switches it on. You know, sometimes he does. You know, Tim was sharing, you know, putting God first in your finances. All of a sudden, God opens up a bunch of doors. Well, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, that happens to new Christians a lot. But when you've been giving to the Lord for a long time, God has different ways to show you his faithfulness. Sometimes there's a longevity in waiting. There's a perseverance, and the steam kind of builds up in you, and people want to you know, lift up the, tea, the lid so that the steam goes out, but God likes the steam to be in there, and it builds pressure. And God uses that pressure to, to take this hot liquid and let the chaff and the dross kind of go to the top. 
you know, so that it can be scooped away and the, the impurities put away. Being with God's presence is rewarding. I cannot tell you. Sometimes if you'll just stop and read a few scriptures, God will use them, and I'm going to say it like this, like magic in your soul. It'll be like an invisible piece of armor. It'll be something that you didn't tangibly calculate, like I read the scripture and that's all, and God's going, yep, put it in there. I'm going to use that. God uses that. It's like taking vitamins and herbs and vitamins, and people take them all the time, and they take them because they're working out, and they think, oh, when I work out, I'll feel a little better. I'll feel a little more energy and You know, so they kind of take the vitamins and the good food and the vegetables just to make themselves feel better so that when the time comes, they feel more nutritious. Like they've got something that they've stored up and you start to eat well. And if you eat like garbage and eat one junk meal after another, pretty soon you feel really weak and you feel tired and you start to get fat and bloated and you don't feel quite the same. Well, the Bible is the same way. When you eat of it, it's like a good food. It, it, it fills your soul up in a way that you can't imagine. I feel blessed upon blessed upon blessed that I get to preach the word. That means I get to study it. I get to be in it probably a lot more than you do. And I'm telling you that you think that you, you might know it and you go, gosh, I delved a little deeper. I think I know what the Bible says. Trust me, it gets deeper and deeper and richer and richer. It feeds your soul and your eternity, not just because you have this big Shangri-La to look forward to. It feeds your eternal soul in a way that can't be described. It changes your view of people. It brings a humility that you can't fabricate. It's so powerful, the Word of God. How many say amen to that? How how many like me, come on, you struggle sometimes with it. Come on, raise your hand. Just just struggle with it. That's okay. We We don't have to deny that to the Lord. Now, there's two ways you can get over that. One is you can go, all right, I'm going to just be so committed. And that's typically how the church would treat things like that. Let's hand out a flyer to everybody, give them the five steps on how to have a better time with God. But I would encourage you right now just to ask God, say, Lord, help me to love your word. Just say, just, just, would you say it with me? Just say, help me, Lord. Help me to love your word. How many prayed that prayer, really? Honest to God. Okay, did you really pray it? Lord, open our eyes to your scriptures. Let it come to life in our souls. Let us see the blessings and the joy and the overwhelmingness, Lord, that you are so desiring to put in us, Lord. You don't want us to have a spirit of timidity and fear and anxiousness, Lord. And I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel that stands alone without trials, Lord. But I don't want to overlinger the trials. We have tribulation, sure, but we have your greatness and your power too. And Lord, overwhelm us with that goodness that comes from you, tasting that you are good. And Lord, instill in our hearts, Lord, a desire to want to be with you and to know you. Lord, that we're not saving ourselves, but you're saving us to yourself. You're not just saving us from sin, but you're saving us to be with you that we would understand that. Open blind eyes, Lord. 
Lord, I look to you, Lord. I know that I'd be wasting my time, Lord, if you don't do anything. Lord, it would be such a waste of just sitting up here blabbing. Lord, please open up hearts, deep hearts. Lord, wherever hurt is, I pray that you bring healing, restoration, that they can see that you are for us. And so open the scriptures in Jesus' name. Can I hear amen? Amen. All right. Let's start with number one, and I'll talk about God's river. Just a starting point. Psalm 36, 7. It's not the scripture I'm going to dwell on, but it's a great one. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Lord, it's your wings. We, we take refuge in them. They feast on the abundance of your house. It's, it's his wings. It's his unfailing love. It's his house, your house, O oh Lord. You give them drink from your river of delights. I love that word. It's that word. I put it up there, Edom, Eden. It's delights, delicacies, fineries, pleasures. You know, are you thirsty for God's wine, his new wine in your life? You know, a, a fresh river that he would pour out in you, a river of delights. I'm always amazed how often God uses this terminology in the scriptures. Because when people first come to Christ, I think they run to, is there a hell? Is there the wrath of God? Yes, in the ultimate final rejection that you might have toward the creator who made you, there is judgment and wrath. If you choose to reject all relationship on your volition, yes, there is wrath toward stubbornness and a eternal posture that says no to God. But the majority of the scripture is love, blessing, encouragement, gratefulness, and a love that endures forever. That is the abundance of the text. Don't let anybody fool you on that. So I say, let's drink from God's river. And number two, and I'm going to dwell on this for a little while, it'll be my opening part here. Let's find blessing in God's presence. Some of you might know this scripture of Obed-Edom, um, which means basically servant worshiper from Eden. You know, he's a, a, a man who shows up the first time after Uzzah is carrying the ark of the Lord for David and bringing it to the city of David, representing really the coming Christ who's to come. And that, that's what this ark is representing. And Uzzah Everyone says, don't touch it. It's a holy thing. Don't touch it. This is a, an encounter, a message of the presence of God coming into the world. Don't mess with it. And Uzzah touches the ark as it's being knocked over, and he is struck down by the Lord and knocked down. Now, there's only a couple times in the scripture where God is this severe about his promises of eternity. And that's one with Moses striking the rock, where he, instead of, which is, represents Christ, rock, Jesus is the rock in the desert who pours forth water and life. And he strikes the rock uh, several times and rather than just trusting the Lord to bring forth the streams of life. And God says, you're not coming into the promised land, Moses. Uzzah is a big deal. This is a big deal. There's like two or three times you see this really big deal in the scriptures. And David is in the scripture, he is angry. David's angry. Remember, 
Jesus is going to come forth from the seed of the house of David. It's a descendancy of it, from the line of kings, from the line of priests. And David is a king and a priest unto the Lord. And David's angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And number two, I say, let's find blessing in God's presence. Let's drink from his river. Let's come into his presence and find the blessings. Now, David was afraid of the Lord that day, the scripture says in verse 9, and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? And he's going, now that I've seen this, where Uzzah was killed, carrying the ark to the city of David, and now we've got to start all over. He goes, how can I possibly be right with the Lord again? It's an impossible thing. He's against me. And he's saying, how can it ever be a part of my life, this ark? It says he was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David, where the prophecy goes. He was, he goes, I'm not going to do it. He said, I'm not going to fulfill it. And, and maybe you felt that way. I know that I have. Where all of a sudden you go, Lord, you shouldn't have done it this way. And Lord, how could you possibly do it this way? And it's like, okay, Lord, then I'm just not going to cooperate. Okay, I'm not going to serve my family. I'm not going to serve the church. I'm not going to do this. Okay, Lord, I'm not going to you crazy if I'm going to give anything to you. And we take these stances. It's exactly what David did. He was angry with the Lord. Now, how many know that David was a man after the Lord? That's what the Bible says. And here he is angry with the Lord. Angry with the Lord. I mean, David is in this line of faith, in the line of mighty kings. He's the greatest king ever to walk of the earth. I mean, what a great king. It says, instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And I love this because <laughs> Obed-Edom just shows up in the scripture. Hey, there he is. And, and it's kind of like just some random guy, but he obviously had faith because he knew about Uzzah too. He knew about it as well. And everybody was afraid to be even near the ark. I mean, they were carrying it like this with the, with the poles and carrying it with, you know, four to eight people, you know, four in the front and four in the back, carrying it. And then, you know, Uzzah was the one who put his hand on it. And everybody was afraid of it. And David led the charge of anger. And that's what happens. Good leaders sometimes are angry with God and leave the others astray. They leave them in their anger. I've seen parents do it with their kid, kids. I can tell because their kids are disrespectful to the office of pastor or leader. And I think, huh, if the kids are disrespectful, I bet you the parents are probably disrespectful because your, ki- your, your, your kids should revere the leaders around. Not a perfection, but just understand that there are people of God that are put in place in charge of you. How can the ark of God come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. Say it with me, three months. Three months. It's like, it's like someone trusting God with their finances or someone trusting God with the presence of the Lord. And people do it all the time. They make big commitments for three months. Seriously, all the time. All the time, I'm really going to start going to church. I'm going to do that stuff. And after three months, oh, I'm going to go bowling. I'm going to go to the movies. I'm going to go, okay. We'll see how the movies reward you. We have to make God first. You know what? I don't make any apologies for this. God 
the creator of everything, the life source, demands, commands, prescribes to you that he should be first in your life. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All the other things will be added unto you as well. No problem. But yet, that is probably 10 to 15% of the life of the church typically. That's a high number. Probably lower. And I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to encourage you and exhort you. Make God first. His presence. Look at, for three months, and the Lord blessed him. That is already very cool. And his entire household. I'm telling you, people come to our family all the time. And they say, there's such blessing. It seems to be around your whole family. And it's kind of like I go, I know, I feel bad about it. Seriously, I feel bad. And then I hear them talking. Oh, I don't know. It's like maybe I'm coming. I go, I go, listen, please don't explain to me why you don't go to church. I'm still going to be blessed. Do you understand? I mean, I am, I am exhorting you. I don't need to be up here. There is a lot of jobs that I can do. I'm actually pretty good at stuff. I'm here because this is a gift I am part of, and so are you. I'm a gift to the body. I bring my pizzazz and bring it to you. Amen? Amen. It's true. It's true. Listen, and I say this because if I can encourage you somehow to to try to find the Lord and to make him first so that blessings pour into your life, I can't keep that up. It's got to be internal. There's got to be an internal. It's like the guy who gets drafted, the NFL quarterback that gets drafted, and he looks bad, so he starts running, playing hard. How many have ever seen Peyton Manning play football? Anybody? Raise your hand high if you've seen Peyton Manning. How many know that he doesn't need the coach? Amen? I mean, he needs the coach because he learns new things. He knows his skills, and the coach is thinking about other things. But he doesn't need him. He doesn't. Can you imagine the coach going to Peyton Manning going, listen, I really want you to start taking quarterbacks seriously now. You know, I just I wish you'd take the playbook home. You know, hey, Christian, the Bible's the playbook. <laughs> I don't have a copy. I don't know if I haven't read it. Oh, well, then I'm sure the plays will work out well. I don't know what it says. It was really difficult. Well, what do you do? I watch movies. Well, at least buy the Gospel of John on the movie form and watch that. <laughs> right? Look, do, you, do you understand that the blessing of the Lord, God, when it came to Obed-Edom, it increased in such an incredible way that everybody knew about it in the whole town. In the whole city, I mean, the Israelites knew it, and David gets wind of it. And it's not just him. It's the entire household. This is what is so amazing to me. People will spend thousands of dollars on kids on Christmas because they want to bless them. But they won't put God first for the sake of their kids. 
And I'm, 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 part of me is stunned. Does, you don't see the logical outcome of that. And then you wonder later, sometimes when the kids just go, eh, I don't care. It's just not that important. Because it's not that important. It was never that important. When Jody and I go on vacation, we still go to church. And I make it a point. I walk up to that pastor and I encourage them because I know how much it means to me. And I'll just say, hey, I'll encourage them and I'll pray for them. And we'll give at whatever church we're at. And not just our giving went to this church this time. We still give to our church and we give to that other church. That's a lot. Well, how much do you want to be blessed? Seriously. It's like the people. Should I tithe on the net or the gross? I don't know. Like I love Jody's answer. You want to be blessed on the tithe on the net or the gross? Jody, a couple weeks, she goes, I really feel like God's challenging us to give more. I'm going, I didn't hear you. I got to (laughs) go. But you know what? Right when she said it, like I don't hear those words first because I go from miser to giver. How many are like me? Come on. You guys are such liars. (laughs) Seriously. How many go from miser to giver? Come on. Several of you, come on. (laughs) What do you think, God doesn't see it? Oh, I didn't know. (laughs) But I I love Jody because Jody goes from giver to bigger giver. (laughs) And and it's taught me so much. And when she says it, it, it's kind of like there's part of me that's hesitant. But as soon as she said it, the Lord's going, yes, that's correct. That's what we're going to do. I was thinking, okay, Lord. And he goes, I want to stretch you, Eric. You're going to have to trust me more. I said, I was afraid of that. <laughs> and then God challenges you. You know, I love, I love talking to my kids because my kids, you know, they increase their giving too. And I love it. It's just, it's a legacy in the family. Can we be give, big givers? And not just money. Gosh, we're not going to have another offering, by the way. Your money's safe in your pocket. Miser, miserable. That's where the word comes from. <laughs> All right. Let, let's, I want to continue this. Now, King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has. Wow. Surprise, surprise. You know, God doesn't just bless your money. He doesn't just bless this. God blesses the spiritual, invisible dynamic of your life. It's like having Gandalf with you the whole time, you know, for the Lord of the Rings fans. I mean, that's what it feels like. Gandalf's with you all the time, but he's got more power than the dark forces, okay, in this case. It's like God does a blessing thing because he's, do you understand that God's not up there going, I want to make life miserable for people? Do you realize how easy that is? And if you think God's against you, you have no idea how much power he has, If God were to exercise just a little bit of power against you, you'd be nothing, absolutely nothing. God is not against you. Do you understand how powerful God is? That if God were against us, he could squash us and kill us and torture us and destroy us. But God is good. 
and loves you and wants to encourage you and build you up. Paul says, all the authority I have is to make you better, to build you up, to encourage you, to strengthen you. I could use my authority for other stuff, but God says no. This is our God. Do I hear amen? Amen. Amen. My my daughter always says that I start out quiet and I get really loud. (laughs) He blessed everything he had because the ark of God, that's his presence. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed, Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. That's what he wanted to do, okay? So he just goes, he's going, okay, God's totally blessing this, and there's no way I'm going to get around this, and David wants the blessing. He wants it not just for him, but, but if you know David, he has a total heart for his people and his nation, and so he's saying, I want the nation to have it. We need to bring it to the city of David, the capital, so the blessing will flow out of our nation, and, and, and so he takes it back with rejoicing. It says, when those were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps. That's like they got the ark and they got all that. As soon as they started on their path, David throws, man, we're gonna have a, we're gonna fatten the calf. We're gonna sacrifice the bull. We're gonna sacrifice. Just a couple steps with the presence of God. And he wants to have a, a total offering unto the Lord. Before anything has happened, it's in our possession now. Lord, we're trusting you again with your presence. And he takes six steps, four, five, six. And he goes, put it down. We're going to offer sacrifices to God. Praise God for his presence. He sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf and wearing a linen ephod. Just read Fruit of the Loom. Right? Don't you love David? Right? There's nothing sexual about it. Right? This is just David going, we're going for it. Listen, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. I mean, people complain about the noise. Ah! Ah! Eric, please quiet it down. It's a church, please. Excuse me. That's trumpets. Not a good trumpet. (laughs) Listen, shouts and trumpets because you have the presence of God. You know, we have pastor's convention. We'll get like four or 5,000 pastors all in one place. You know what my favorite thing about going there is the minute the first song starts, 5,000 or 10,000 double hands go up and every single person is shouting unto God. I love it. It's my favorite thing about going to pastor's, pastor's conference. As soon as you get there and, and it's like the worship leader comes up there and he goes, well... Leading you guys in worship is going to be the easiest thing I've ever done. Because <laughs> you don't have to get people in the right mood, and hopefully they're sensitive to the Lord. You don't have to communicate the right thing because everyone's going, I don't care what the music's like. And I go to liturgical churches where they just have an organ. I can worship fine. People go, I don't know if I really like the music and stuff. Well, who cares, man? So she's 95 years old. She's playing the organ for 75 years. All right, she's pretty good. Let's worship. Amen? 
it's just going to be a different style. It's just going to be a different thing. You know, it's like we got, you know, I, I hear Adam up here, and I love when Adam does worship, and, and every once in a while, he'll do that screaming voice. Yeah. And, and I'll just think to myself, man, that is totally not my era, <laughs> right? But, 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 but I've totally embraced it. Because, I, I, you know, my kids love it and all that stuff. I hear it around. I'm going, okay, okay. It's like when, you know, the first rap music comes on. I'm going, okay, so you got a drum machine going here, okay. But, you know, the thing is, is I love it because Adam's a worshiper. And you can hear, you could just hear the heart of God. You can just go after. Now, it's not the same way that you're used to, you know, that if you're, especially if you're older. But we got to trust God, amen? amen. God, and, and it opens up. There's an anointing in the music. Thank you, Adam. David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, and Israel were bringing up the ark with shouts and sounds of trumpets as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David. Now listen to this, and this is so typical, and some of you might know the story. Michal here, um, she starts, this daughter of Saul, she watches from a window, and when she saw King David, okay, leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. It's like she hated it. How dare he? That is so, you know, what about, and I'm thinking about what was going on in her mind. What about my dad? You know, what about my legacy? You know, what about that? And here he is just going off in his underwear, (laughs) right? Think about it dancing with sounds and trumpets because the ark, this is such an irreligious thing, you know? And I know people have church services where everything's super quiet and solemn. What makes you think that God likes quiet and solemn all the time? Seriously. Well, when we pray, it's reverence. That's when I honor people. It's real quiet. Children should, worshipers should be seen and not heard. Listen, there is a time when you need to be quiet before the Lord. It's not in heaven because everybody is bowing and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord all the time. That'll really get on your nerves when you get there. (laughs) Right? Because you basically look at the Lord. Every time you look up at the Lord, people are going, why do they keep repeating it? Why are they so robotic? Trust me, it's not robotic. You look up and you see the incredibleness of God. You can't help but fall down. And then you get used to that. Wow, his presence is amazing. And then while you get used to that level of presence, let's say it's here, you go, wow, look at his presence. So it's amazing. So you look up again, and guess what? God reveals more of himself. And then you fall down again. And do you know that God will give us increased revelation by the moment for eternity? Wow! Do you know that God is so amazing that he has enough capacity throughout eternity to reveal more and more of himself to you? And there will be no end to his greatness and his mightiness and power. I'm a good spokesman for God. You know why? Because I like him. Seriously. I thought this many times. You know, Lord, why I'm up there? Because I like him. God has told me many times personally that I'm his friend. And I know that. I am a friend of God. I like talking about God, don't you? Listen, this is such, this is such cool stuff. I, I told you, I'm preaching to myself, and I've been preaching myself with this message because God, I really believe God opened my heart in it. Number three, let's dwell in God's joy. In his presence is a fullness of joy, amen? That's what the psalm says. 
right? Psalm 16, in his presence, a fullness of joy, a completeness of joy. Think about it. Do I need to spend time with God? I'm not sure. Well, I'm going through a hard time. Enter into his presence. Sense his peace. Sense his relief. Sense his comforting. Sense his joy. I love Jesus. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. This is talking about salvation. You can't just kind of sort of fellowship with God on your own works. How many know we need to be saved by Christ fully? so that his presence dwells in us. And he says that apart from me, you can't do anything. You, can't, you can do nothing. It, this is so profound. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing of value that you can do. Yeah, you can do things, but you, but you can't do things. You can't accomplish them. I, and I, he, I love this. He, see, he summarizes it down in verse 11. He says, I have told you this so that my joy, just, just say his joy. One more time. His joy may be, say, say, in me, in me, so that our joy will be complete. Isn't that a great promise of God? Isn't, isn't this the heart of who the Lord is? He goes, I mean, think about it. The joy is the fruit of the Spirit. That means in a biblical technical, you cannot experience true joy without the Spirit of God being in you. Because just a touch of the Holy Spirit isn't the same. Because a touch of the, of the Spirit, and people in the world can feel a touch of the Spirit, but it doesn't give you an eternal security that brings out joy. When God's in you and you know he's not going to leave you, there, it brings a joy. That's why I'm so sad when people preaching that you're always losing your salvation. It's like you put the focus right back on whether you can keep him or not. Are you kidding me? What on earth do you think you're putting a check mark next to your list of what you're doing to keep him? Did you receive the spirit by what you did or by what you believed? What's my belief? I got to keep my belief going. Even that is called divine in scripture. It's a divine act of faith. Let's dwell in God's joy. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are, say it with me, pleasures. There are pleasures. There are delicacies, right? There are delights forevermore. That's why Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. How often? How often? What? What should we do? Rejoice in who? How often? Um, I guess I'll say it again. What? Rejoice. Right? Let your gentleness be evident to all. Then he just says it, right? The Lord is near. The Lord is near. He's, he's always nearby. Because in some sense, God's with me, but I also sense God's presence in others and in the world that God is moving and touching. I feel his intimate presence in me and I can feel his omnipresence around me and his intimate presence in you. That treasure in me can talk to the treasure in you. That he's connected here. Now, in the Bible, Jesus describes his father, what he's like, this father of delights, of pleasure, in a parable. And this is really the story of the young prodigal. I'm just going to kind of, finish up with this. The prodigal son, 
most people have seen it. M- maybe some of you might have written the prodigal, wrote, uh, read the prodigal f- uh, father, uh, prodigal God, which is a, a book written from the perspective of, the, of God's role in it, a, a book I'd recommend. This young prodigal son is basically telling his dad when he's going to get the inheritance, you know, can it be as if you're dead now so that I can have the inheritance now? Like, I can't wait. You know, it's like the, the, the great grandma who's got a $100 million to pass to you and you got nothing, but she's 99. And she comes up to you and she goes, huh, I think I got another 10 years left. And you're, you're in your 60s, but you haven't been eating well, and so you're going to die in the next three years. So you're going, I'm never getting that money. Now, I know that's a morbid, sad thought, but I've met families like that. Listen, he like his share of the inheritance now. The dad complies, and this kid goes out, this young man goes out and wastes it. And what does he do with it? Prostitutes, right? Give yourself over to sex completely. You know, pleasures, just buy stuff. And he starts wasting his money. I'm sure he had the big, you know, 20 kegger party with all the high-end booze and just said, hey, you know, I'm buying, I'm buying the Coke, I'm buying the meth, don't worry, everybody come. And pretty soon his money runs out. And he tries, remember, to look for joy and pleasures in the sin. This is where he is. Now, it says here, the prodigal son got up he finally comes to his senses and realizes it. And most of you heard this story, but I just ask that the Lord speak it fresh to you for the new year, that you're not going to come into the presence of the Lord if you feel like I blew it or I've not done well. And so you're going, oh my gosh, God's going to be mad at me. I want you to just to see the heart of the father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Now, this is Jesus describing the heart of the father God. Who knows the Father better than Jesus? Anybody here? Uh, Nobody? Okay, I'll go with Jesus then. If you want to know what the Father is like, Jesus is your example, not only in action, but also in words. His Father saw him and was filled. Filled. He was filled with compassion for him. How many need to hear this? Come on, raise your hand high. Don't be shy. How many need to hear that God is filled with compassion for the wretched sinner son? We're not talking about the enemy. We're talking about a son. That's what he's looking at, and he's filled with compassion, filled with it. And I love this scripture. When I did the sermon series through this scripture, I went from one side of the stage and I ran. Those of you who remember me doing this, I ran. Because I wanted to see what it, you to see and remind you that these aren't just stories here. He's, he's running that the father filled with compassion sees a son from a long way off who's been living in total debauchery and he's run out of all the inheritance, everything that he was supposed to get. It's all gone. And the father filled with compassion, a fuel for him, runs. He runs to his son. He runs to him. He runs. That is amazing. That God is running to us, waiting for us just to turn to him. That one scripture that you just put in your soul, that one little word that you read, 
and you turn to the Lord, and the Lord sees you from afar off, filled with compassion, runs towards you, and it says he threw his arms around him and kissed him, and kissed him. Kissing is intimate. Kissing is intimate. A father's kiss, maybe with a beard or something like that on your cheek. You know, the ancient of days runs at you filled with compassion. Meanwhile, you're contemplating whether you lost your salvation or not. Looking at some denominational doctrine statement. Good grief, burn it. Burn the thing. The scripture says that he runs to him, his son throws his arms around him and kisses him. And I love the son. He's honest, but misinformed. He says, the prodigal son said to him, as if God wanted to hear it all. Well, we got to confess our sins. That's true. Yeah. And we turn that into a formal confession. Father, I've come before you. Yes, here. My name is John. I've confessed. Yeah, I blew it. Okay. All right. Bye. Really? Is that it? Part of confession is just admitting it now. What did you do? What did you do? Don't you know? You don't have to hide it under a barrel. God knows. It just needs to be brought into the light. Yeah, but there'll be a devastation and all kind of stuff will happen. Listen, you can trust God with your stuff. There's going to be a few people that won't like it. I get it. Listen, the prodigal says to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And I can just see this because I can see myself in it. I can see you in it. I've sinned against heaven. All all, all the kingdom and its ways and its principles of of righteousness. And it's like, like I've been watching the Lord of the Rings. By the way, I'm doing a two-day series on the Lord of the Rings. Okay, with, with screens on here, I'm, I'm planning it already in my mind. L- listen, it, it, it's like the ring. It's like Boromir tries to take the ring. He's going, I took the ring. I fought against the kingdom of good. And that's how he sees it. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. And look at his final conclusion. I am no longer worthy. I'm just not worthy of it. I mean, Put the cameras on me and you'll see I'm not worthy of anything. How could I possibly be in your presence? Just can I be on the grounds somewhere? And I'm definitely not worthy to be called your son because I'm so different from you. And he knew who he was. And I love his honesty. This is no wimp. This is someone who can just lay it out there and say, hey, and this is difficult to live like this. You cannot grow as a leader or any other way if you're not transparent. And I love, I put the but there in yellow. Can everyone just say but? But you you need to understand where this goes. Verse 15, 22, the next one, it says, but the father said to his servants, the father pretty much ignores it. He doesn't even listen to it. And that's why I put number four, we have to attend God's party. Because there is joy in his presence. There's a party in his presence. Hey, I've sinned against you, and I've sinned against the heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'm not worthy. I'm not anything. I know what I did. And he says, but the father 
after he's thrown around, he gives him the kiss. The, the, fa- the son starts to apologize for it. And, and the, son, the father looks to the servants, the angelic hosts. Quick, bring the best robe. Robe is like the authority. Robe is to bring forth the royal robes of authority. Here come the king and his son. The royal robes, put it on, put the ring on his finger of power. This is serious stuff. He puts the ring on him. He puts the robe on him. And he puts sandals back on his feet. His feet probably stunk. He's been living with the pigs. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Thank God there's fat on that calf. This is good news. God is saying, I want to bring a feast, a party. Do you know how much God is trying to tell you? He's trying to tell me how much he cares about you. Do you understand that? Am I communicating that to you? That he will go. I'm sorry I've sinned. I'm sorry I blew it. I'm sorry I did this. And he comes back with this. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. He's talking to the servants. Come on. Hey, you guys, get the royal robes. Get the ring. Put it on his finger. Hey, get the feast ready. Get the fattened calf. Hey, we are going to party tonight. Woo! Well, we're part of the church. It seems like you've come back. We'd like to hear your whole confession, please. <laughs> Explain to us what, what, what happened then. What, 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 what happened first? Okay, uh-huh. All right. Well, there'll be some disciplinary action um, for the following weeks. Blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry that I'm misrepresenting the church. That's what that person should say. Because my God is good. My God is great all the time. How many say amen? Listen, do you want to be in God's presence? Do you want to see the blessings of Obed-Edom flowing out to you in your household? How could you not? This is the easiest message in the world. You just got to say, just everyone, can everyone just say yes? yes? Yes. Listen, we will not do this on our own. We need the Lord to open our hearts in a way that's vibrant. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So Jesus shares with us that they have this massive party. And most of you know this, this next part here. And it says, meanwhile, 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 the older son was in the field. Think about this older son. He'd been working in the field. He'd been disciplined. He'd been you know, trying to please his father. And his father's going to tell you, I've always had you and I love you. I care about you. When he comes in the near, the near the house, he heard music and dancing. He goes, when's the last time you threw music and dancing for me? That's, that's what he's asking. And the older brother becomes angry and refused to go out, out. And I just love this. It says, his father went out and begged him. He pleaded with him, please come in. Please see this. Oh, if you see that, I think I've drawn a big contrast. We have King David coming into the presence of God. We have Obed-Edom, a, a nobody, all of a sudden getting the presence of God and being blessed. 
And then Jesus saying to the whole church, I want my joy to be completed in you, fullness in you. I want my joy to have its final completion and fulfillment in your life. And then we have this example, no matter where you come from, God will be with us. And then we have this, old, this older son who is basically frustrated. How could we be celebrating? How could we be partying? It doesn't seem right. But I'm telling you, God says it's right. It's right. Amen? All right. Number five, I'll close with this. Right now, I don't care about the time. I don't care about anything. It's a weird thing. You know, you can leave anytime you want. I, I will try to close on time, but I, I, in my heart, I don't care at all. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just a, it's a freeing thought. Number five, let's be with God. Amen? How, how many want to go to the party? Come on. How, how many want the fullness of joy in your life? Come on, raise your hand high like you mean it. How many would like to live a life shouting unto the Lord with trumpets in your loud voice? Woo! Come on, let me hear a woo. Man, it's weird. You shouldn't do that in church. (laughs) Being silent in church is weird. That means you're just watching stuff. You know what I mean? You're, You're watching us be with God. And I, I've shared this scripture when I talk about a, uh, finding a song, finding a song in the Lord, but I, I love it in the new year because there's so many scriptures like this, but this one says it so concisely. How are we going to be with God? Prayer, praise, partnership. 2015 is going to be a year of prayer and the presence of God. Not in, I don't mean like we're all going to be quiet in some corner. <laughs> that's the problem with saying it that way because that's what people picture with prayer. We're going to do nothing, say nothing, and don't act on anything. And that's what people, the world thinks prayer is just us talking and not taking any action. No, we're going to pray and obey. Amen? Amen. I love Zephaniah here. It says, the Lord your God is, say it with me, say he's with you. He's with you. He is mighty to save. Mighty. Mighty to save. It's not impossible for him to save. He will take, can everyone say, great delight. There you have it, Eden again. Eden. He's got that Eden. He wants to bring the Garden of Eden to us in you. He will quiet you with his love. We get stirred up, don't we? You find yourself in life, you get stirred up and things, you get anxious and you start to worry and you get trepidation and all these different things that happen. But he can quiet us with his love, his security. This is the last scripture. It says, he will rejoice over you with singing. I, I I am blown away that God is rejoicing over me with singing. That's my God, the singing God around me, singing with rejoicing. Does that sound like that father I was just talking about? It's going, let's party. Let's celebrate. We got our son back. Does it seem like the God that you know? You know? Let's be set free for this dance of joy. I, I, I got this last slide here. <laughs> I put there, yay, God. 
I found that picture there, and I found, it reminded me of the got milk, you know. <laughs> it got joy. It got joy. And, and I, I, I don't know if this is an actor, but I, I hope not. Because, I, and I love the sunshine there. I'm sure it's a green screen, but I still love it anyway. It's like this beautiful picture. Why don't you close your eyes? Let's respond. We'll have our prayer team and base camp team. If you need discipleship, whether you've been walking with the Lord 25, 30 years, doesn't matter. Base camp is our starting point at our church to understand how to walk with God. Let me, let me read something while your eyes are closed. Talking about Christ coming. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoiced at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. I'm just going to give you a chance to respond to the Lord and saying, Lord, I, I want your presence. Will you enter with us into a year of the power of prayer and the presence of God? If that's you, we just raise your hand to God. Just say, Lord, I want to be a part of this. Just raise your hand. Just to, I'm joining the Adventure Church, Lord, to grow in prayer this year, 2015, coming up. Just keep your hand up if you mean it. And just say, Lord, I want to be a part of it. I want to grow in your presence. I want to grow, Lord, in my giftings. Lord, I want to see the outcomes changed in my life, in my calling my purpose, my family. Lord, would you increase those things? I turn to you. I lean on you. I surrender to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And then go ahead and put your hand down. And then right now, I just talked about the presence. You need that joy in your life right now. You say, Lord, increase my joy. Help me not to lean away from your spirit, but move toward your spirit. If that's you, just raise both hands and just say, Lord, I'm coming in, coming into the presence of God. I'm opening up, Lord, just a little bit. Just take one step and God will meet you there and say, Lord, I want to open up my quiet time. Lord, that you would open up my intimacy with you that I cannot and have not been able to do by my own. Open up my heart. Bring me to a deeper, richer place.